ladies and gentlemen, it is damn good to have you here again with us on the Nesson After Hours podcast presented by People's United Bank. My voice, my name is Emerson Latia. Her voice, her Hello. name is Billy Godwin. There you it is. Let me hear you again. Hello, good people of New England and the world, because you know the world's listening to our entire Hey, podcast. listen, there is a potential of a billion people listening to this podcast. That the potential is there. Doesn't mean they're all here right now, but they can do it if they want it. Yo, E, let's let's just real quick, just to get this right off the top. It was a wonderful Wednesday with New England sports. Red Sox win. The Celtics are steamrolling the 76ers. And then the Bruins moving on to the second round of the Stanley Cup playoffs. It is good, baby. Oh, my God. It's just like a, a typical day, a typical mid-August day, I guess. All three of those teams just ripping through their opponents. I love it. Going for the jugular, ripping their hearts out, eating it, just like in the movies you see. I love that visual that you just provided. Uh, quick Indiana rundown Jones. here. So hurricane season officially over. The death of baseball's unwritten rules and Patriots beat writer Doug Kide joining the program. We've got a doozy today. I love that guy. If you follow him on Instagram, he eats a lot of weird food. And I like food. I like weird food. And Doug actually takes one for the team many times and will, uh, you know, basically be the subject, the test subject. And if Doug survives eating many of these weird foods, then I will also eat the weird food. He's also a, a fellow hardcore punk kid like myself. So yep, we, he's we, a bonded, big, we bonded on that. Uh, yeah, when he I loves dashboard confessional. <laughs> Most people don't even, they're like blown away when I tell them I listen to punk and hardcore and metal. I know, you actually listen really to a lot weird. of stuff. Yes, I do. I'm proud of you. I do. You know this. You know this. You're like a jukebox. Uh, but first of all, let's uh, go ahead and talk about the Bruins. Just get that out of the way because let's like we did the Hurricanes. Uh, so they eliminated them on Wednesday. 2-1 win in game five. They win the series 4-1. Patrice Bergeron with the deciding goal. Like, I don't know how he scored it. because That was, was impressive, insane. right? Like, yeah. that, that's why people love him here, because he, he uh, caught and understood that it was Mrazic, right, is the keeper for the Hurricanes. He kind of caught him, like, sleeping a little bit, the closing mm -hmm. seconds there, and totally took advantage. And, that, and that's one of the many reasons why people in Boston love him. Also, David Posternock, he was back out on the ice, um, missed a couple of games with an upper body injury. Uh, what did you think about his return? Well, he played a part in that uh, in that first goal there by David Krejci, uh, by the way, who, like, David Krejci, you see it all the time when he does something positive in the playoffs. You see playoff Krejci, playoff yeah. Krejci. Oh, yeah. the guy's got the second most um, the second most playoff points in Bruins history, for crying out loud. Like, the damn guy's good, and then Bergeron's, like, right behind him. They're, like, neck and neck. So, it, but to see Pasta back in there, I actually thought uh, I, I'm going to give the team props on this one because they probably had the mindset of, all right, maybe we don't really want to risk further injury with you. Yeah. Uh, but I, something tells me that I could see Pasta was the one who probably put up the fight and said, no, put my ass in there. I bet. And Br Bruce I bet. Cassidy did it, and I thought it ended up working out great for them. And props to the team for taking that chance and that, and because it made a difference. Yeah, so he bagged two assists on the power plays and um, had a missed breakaway opportunity. Mm -hmm. But I think that's just kind of him being a little bit rusty. He kind of got caught up with his, his backhand, trying to deke him there at the last second and just ran out of real estate. But uh, he played more than 20 minutes, the most of any of these forward, and finished second on the team in shots with five. So I think Pasta just really wanted to, to get some, a little bit of rust off and just show that, hey, I can do this, even if it's not fully 100%, if it's 90, if it's 80 
he still has it. He wants to play, and, and now they get a couple days off. Um, uh, I will I will make quick note of this just because of how weird this playoff format is this year. Yeah. Instead of a typical bracket setup, uh, they're going to uh, reseed yeah. after the first round. So the highest remaining seed will play the lowest remaining seed and so forth. So according to what my calculations, it's either going to be the Lightning or the Flyers. Yeah, I, th- I think I be tough matchups. I think at this point, I mean, odds favor like the Lightning, which yeah, uh, you know, which which would be interesting. It's it would be the third playoff series between these two teams uh, since 2011. Bruins won a seven-game classic Eastern Conference Finals in 2011. Lightning eliminated the Bruins in just five games in the second round in 2018. Uh, Lightning are a damn good team. I think uh, it's what is it? Is there a chance that they could play the Islanders? Is that what you said? Um, it's really the Flyers and the Lightning. Um, okay, so all the, right. The yeah. Flyers are leading the Canadians 3-1. They're going to win. The, the, yeah. the Islanders are leading the Caps 3-1. Okay. If, if they win, then they'll play the Flyers. Okay. All right. I got it. So, basically, it's, it's going to be lightning unless there's, like, some kind of, like, miracle in, like, these series. Yeah. And, and yeah. these teams are, are, are coming back. Hey, the good news is right now, I don't, I don't think Stamkos will be in there either. Uh, it, like, had, had they met until, like, they met in the Eastern Conference Finals, then Stamkos would be more involved. And the reason I think that's a big deal it's, because, it's a tough blow for the Lightning. It's a good blow for the Bruins because not only is he one of the league's most talented players here, yeah. he's had tremendous success against the Bruins throughout his career. Yeah, uh, I, I second that as well. Um, I, I have a feeling they're going to get the Lightning. Uh, we know how tough that matchup's going to be. It's, it's going to be a great series between those two if that happens. Um, but I really do like what we've seen from the Bees after the last two games specifically. Yeah. I, I even with all the drama that happened with Tuka Rask, yeah, um, all of that stuff, uh, Yarmulak is owning it between the pipes. Um, I mean, sometimes I see a little bit of hesitancy or a little bit of you know, yeah, wide-eyed look, but because I've seen the soft goals. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Like he's played, he's played damn good. At, he's almost out of his mind at, at points of the game, but I have seen about two or three soft goals since he's taken over for Rask. Mm-hmm. But the guy has playoff experience. Yeah. Uh, especially going back like a decade is really when he was uh, he was known for like this incredible playoff run. And can they are they still contenders with Halak between the pipes? Yes. Yes. Can they win the cup? I think it becomes a little more difficult because he is just their lone guy right now. Well, one thing to end up here with the bees is that they earned this next couple of days of rest, and I'm excited to look forward to uh, the second round series. All right, let's transition over to what's cooking in Foxborough, the beautiful sport of football. It's a beautiful day outside. We have a beautiful man now joining us who covers the Patriots for Nesson. It is Douglas Kide, the Nesson.com Patriots beat reporter and co-host of the Nesson Patriots podcast. This is a big get for us, Doug. Thanks for being here. I know it is, and uh, yeah, thank you for having me. It's, a, it's big for me as well. It's big for everyone, really. <laughs> Doug, you're a big man, and I know you have a big opinion when it comes to this quarterback competition. Quarterback competition, in air quotes, that is cooking at Patriots camp. How real of a quarterback competition is this? Please describe this to me. I, I actually think it's real. I, I still think that Cam Newton wins the job. I think that he winds up starting the most games for the 2020 Patriots. But I don't necessarily know if that means that he's going to take the first snap of the season week one against the Miami Dolphins. Bill Belichick entertained the notion of a quarterback platoon 
on Wednesday, which I don't really love the sounds of that, but yeah, no. I, I could see some logic only because the Patriots aren't going to have a preseason. So typically Bill Belichick has used the early part of the season as sort of an extended preseason. I remember way back in 2014, he put like nine different defensive backs on the field and obviously quarterbacks different than defensive back, but Bill Belichick won't have seen any of these quarterbacks play a game this entire summer. They'll do some scrimmages, they'll do some different things, but you don't really get a sense of how Cam Newton looks in a training camp practice when no one's allowed to tackle the guy. So I could see a situation where maybe you start Brian Hoyer or Jared Stidham, you bring in Cam Newton, you sort of give everyone a shot in the first couple of weeks of the season, and then you move on from there and decide on one guy. And it probably would be Cam Newton because he's got the highest ceiling, the highest upside. But Brian Hoyer's got a ton of experience in the Patriots offense. Jared Stidham has experience and upside. But still, I mean, Cam Newton was the NFL MVP in 2015. So if he's ready, if he looks good enough, he will eventually wind up being the guy. It, it sounds like you're saying that he's kind of making the early part of the season almost a preseason for them, but that these games really count. So is that necessarily the smartest move to kind of try to do a two no. QB system? He's waving the white flag, Sealy. That's what he's doing if he's going multiple quarters. I just, I, I mean, these games, yeah, these games count, and we're not yeah. guaranteed a full season. Um, if something terrible happens, so you, you kind of need to get your wins early and get them a lot. I mean, I, I just, I don't believe this stuff. I, 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 I don't get, I need a little bit more reasoning for why you believe that there's going to be a system in place that gives everybody a, a chance when it's, it seems like Cam is the guy, just Bill doesn't want to admit it. I, I agree with you. And my initial thought when Bill was talking about the quarterback platoon was like, come on, like, that's, <laughs> there's, like there's no way that that's why this you lying, guy Bill? Why you lying? <laughs> but when it's the Patriots, I'll like, I'll talk myself into anything, just <laughs> anything's on, anything's possible. I mean, this time, this team signed Antonio Brown last year. Like, like anything is always on the table with the Patriots. So I, I usually try to avoid those blanket statements of like, there's no way this is going to happen. Just because, I mean, it's Bill Belichick and he's crazy and he's a crazy genius and, and anything with him. And I do think that you make a good point about these games matter. Who knows how shortened the season could be whatever the Patriots do typically or in the past have gotten off to some slow starts. I mean, that 2014 season that I referenced, everyone thought that Tom Brady was washed and that the team was going to be terrible. Uh, I think it was two or three. Or one that was three. the start of the cliff, right? Like him falling right. off the cliff that year. And then they won a Super Bowl and they won, you know, three of the next five Super Bowls. So I don't know. I do think that Belichick is going to have to do some experimenting early in the season, whether it's a quarterback or any other position simply because of the lack of preseason and I mean there's going to be quarter I know position battles across the board with, that aren't able to be decided in preseason and there's gonna be roster cuts it, it's just a crazy season in general so if it's going to happen any year it would be this one See, I think he's like the ultimate poker player and he's just going to be full of, of misinformation he doesn't want anybody to know anything it could be like you know one day he's praising Hoyer tomorrow it could be like Stidham having great footwork and then it's going to be like Cam Newton has this incredible command of, of the huddle. I think right now the, the Patriots are preparing for week one. They're preparing to face the Miami Dolphins. He doesn't want to give away any information. Do you think he's pissed off that Stidham actually does not have like a leg up here? Because I feel like Stidham should have a leg up in this system. But he's looked like crap in camp. Um, 
I know. I don't think he's. I, I I think that we were talking to Brian Hoyer today, and these quarterbacks are throwing probably more interceptions than the Patriots would like to see them throw in preseason. But the quarterbacks are also experimenting. The the, the preseason or the the training camp reps don't necessarily look like what they will in the regular season. I think that some of the interceptions that Stidham is throwing, those are throws that he might not make in a regular season game. But I do think that I personally, based on and Kim Newton, like I said, he won the 2015 MVP. He took his team to the Super Bowl. He started way more games than Brian Hoyer and Jared Stidham. I'm a little bit surprised that he does not look head and shoulders above Jared Stidham and above Brian Hoyer in practice so far. And this isn't the best setting for him since he can't really run around. No one can tackle him. There's no real pass rush. But I was expecting a little bit more, and I'm interested to see over the next week or so if he does progress to the point where it's like, all right, I mean, Cam Newton's clearly the best guy at practice because right now it is slightly disappointing that he's not significantly outperforming Brian Hoyer, basically a career backup, and Jared Sidham, who's thrown four regular season passes. Well, how did he describe the playbook like last week? What, was it like physics or something like the calculus? Yeah. That's, they're both very extremely difficult. I yeah. can't confirm. I, Doug, you talked a little bit about these interceptions that are being thrown in practice right now. J.C. Jackson called the Patriots secondary scary. Well, what, are, what are you saying? Yeah, I mean, that's the strength of the Patriots team. I wrote yesterday that growing pains are to be expected from this Patriots team, from the quarterback position, the safety, the linebacker, to offensive line, wide receiver, running back everywhere basically except for that cornerback position and the starting free safety spot there with Devin McCourty. So, I mean, the Patriots' success is essentially based on the strength of that secondary. They've added new pieces in there as well who are already looking good. Kyle Duggar, who was the 2020 second-round pick, had an interception and three pass breakups in, pra in practice on Tuesday or on Wednesday. Um, J.C. Jackson's only getting better. Stephon Gil Gilmore's the NFL Defensive Player of the Year. So that's – probably the best secondary in all of football. And that's even after taking out Patrick Chung, because now either Duggar or Adrian Phillips or Terrence Brooks, someone is going to have to replace them, but it's a really deep group and they do make the job very difficult for these Patriots quarterbacks in practice because they've been playing together for so long. <laughs> these quarterbacks are just coming into the system. These secondary guys have been together for, you know, five years, four years, whatever it is at this point. So that is an extra level of difficulty for the Patriots quarterbacks. I mean, Gilmore wasn't even out there today, and you have Stidham throwing, like, multiple interceptions. But yeah. um, for you, covering this team, how different is it? How weird is it out there at Gillette right now? Because they're, like, hardly allowing anyone down there. So CLA and I are trapped in our apartments currently. <laughs> it's, it's weird. I mean, for me personally, I'm in this second tier of media which means that I have to get tested every single day, even if I'm not going to practice. Whoa. So, I, yeah. so my day is really weird, especially the day where I go to practice where like, I bring my daughter to Gillette, drop her off with my parents in one parking lot, drive around to a different parking lot to get coronavirus tested. <laughs> oh my God. And then, then go around to a third parking lot. <laughs> it's like weird path into the stadium because I can't be with the third tier media. So okay. even when we're in, in the bleachers, it's me, Mike Giardi, and Mike Reese in one section, like quartered off from everyone else who's in this other section. I can barely talk <laughs> to them, hear them. And then after practice, we all have to scramble 
because like all these interviews are done via Zoom or whatever it is. We're not in person with the players. So I was at the Renaissance yesterday, you know, doing interviews with players via Zoom. So it all definitely feels very strange. On Monday, me, Reese, and Giardi were working out of the cheerleaders building. In the room. <laughs> nice, Doug. So you're like in front of this mirror where they're like practicing cheerleading. We're all on our knees typing on our computers. It's, it's all extremely strange. Um, but it yeah. sounds like you navigating Disney World, <laughs> which, which, I, you're, which you have perfected because you go there five times a year. <laughs> I know. That's been the worst part of this whole thing for me is that I can't, I, I'm not going to Disney World this year. But, <laughs> no, it really is. It, it's absolute, absolute insanity how much you have to drive around and figure out and, and do everything with, with all of this. But uh, they're making it work. Uh, you know, credit to the Patriots for, for doing this as, as well as they possibly can. Uh, real quick, before we, we let you go here, uh, can you give us an update on the fan situation for the 2020 season when it comes to the Patriots? Yeah, they will be, there will be no fans in the stands mm. in September. Um, I believe that the capacity that they set before the season was 20%. I'm not sure when that would actually happen. I know that there's been some conversations about pods of fans in the crowd, maybe in October, November, or December. Mm -hmm. For me personally, I mean, obviously we all wish that there was going to be fans in the stadium, but if Gillette Stadium's at 20% capacity, it's going to feel like a UMass football game that's being yeah. held there, like, or like a, a high school Super Bowl or something. It's going to be a weird environment. Obviously, Patriots want to make money off the concessions and the fans and everything. So, so I, it's certainly fine if that winds up being the case, but it, it's going to be weird. I mean, for me personally, I don't even know if I'm going to be going to games because all the, all the interviews afterwards are all going to be done virtually. So, I mean, I might be watching the Patriots season from this, this room that I'm in. The only time that we actually go to the stadium might be during training camp right now. Yeah. I think it's like, stop playing the fans right now because the governor has already said there's going to be no fans and no mass gatherings at any of these stadiums and any concerts, events until phase four. And that's not until we have a vaccine. I'm just like, just tell fans now there's going to be no fans in the seats like this, this season. That's it. You're toying with my emotions. Yeah, I definitely think that's the case. It's almost like, you know, just go ahead and, and just rip off the Band-Aid and say it's not going to happen. It, if it does it happen, off. then everybody's excited. Rip it off. <laughs> <laughs> Doug, uh, we really appreciate the time. We know you are a, a busy, busy man. Make sure to give him a follow on Twitter, on Instagram. He's got all the latest and the greatest on all Patriots insider news. Uh, Doug Pye, appreciate the time. Absolutely. Always fun talking to you guys. All right, we're going to get to some quarantine thoughts. Baseball's unwritten rules are the worst. Like, <laughs> quite literally, the worst. So oh, garbage. On Monday night, Fernando Tatis Jr. of the San Diego Padres hits a grand slam against the Rangers in the eighth off a 3-0 count to take a 10-3 lead. Padres would go on to win 14-4, but back to the eighth, and that's Tati's grand slam. To the younger generation, they're watching this wide-eyed. They're like, pump this into my veins. They love this. This is making baseball exciting. But for the old heads, they look at this as the unwritten rule. Oh, Both managers God. were upset about this. The Padres manager, because he missed the take sign and the Rangers skipper, well, because his team was getting lit up. Who cares, people? Like, who cares if he missed a sign? He's, he's, a, he's a young, uh, sexy name in this game right now. Leads the league in, like, home runs, uh, runs, like, runs batted in. Like, kid, swing. 
I don't care. And manager of the Rangers, I don't even, I forget your name and I don't even care. Go, <laughs> go, manage, <laughs> go, go manage T-ball. Seriously, if you're complaining about that, don't give them a pitch to hit. And stop being soft, Padres manager man. Like, let the man swing at it. Who cares how much you're leading? Last time they checked, you don't have this rock-solid bullpen, dude. And there are teams that have known to come back from six or seven runs. There are these things called a collapse. Exactly. We've seen them in the history of baseball. Who the hell cares? All the old people complaining about this. They're all going to die eventually anyway. So it's all about what the young people take, think And take right the now. unwritten rules with them. Thank you. They're unwritten rules for an effing reason, young lady. Am I right? You, you are right. Uh, honestly, here's the thing, is that I only heard from the, the managers really like being a little bit upset about this. But outside of that, it seems universally across the board that everybody else is like, no, we want him to swing. Yes, go get that grand slam. Like, no, don't take that pitch. So I, I think just because of seeing that, it just shows me that baseball is changing for the better and in a way that will attract and retain new baseball fans because that's what MLB needs to do. Yep. And I mean, like you said, yeah, swing away. Go get yourself a grand slam. Like, this is about stats. This guy's eventually going to want to get a huge deal. So you need these things. This helps you uh, negotiating. That's a good point. That's a really good point that you just bring up. Yeah, in the end, you're going to look at like, yeah, this is my value. Look at the runs. Look mm -hmm. at the home runs. Look at the RBI. Like, we're crying out loud. I'm sorry. It's a Wednesday night, you know, men's beer league. It's three. It's a 3-0 count. You think I'm just going to freaking let the ball hit the turf behind me? No. Make I'm going to freaking swing work at, for it. I'm going I'm to swing out of my effing shoes, dude. That's yes, exactly what I'm doing. make the pitcher work for it. Like, you just can't – like you said, there's no room for feelings. There's no room for almost, like, not morals. But I'm not saying, like, you know, hit a guy in the head. I'm not saying that at all. I'm, I'm not – for that but no no um, i get it for swing swing yeah. like, I'm sorry. let him swing let him play let the kid play but uh what's I mean, better also, for baseball we forget we go ahead i was gonna say what's better for baseball uh, like the three out count uh, you take another ball like you walk no. you walk your ass down to first base or a piss missile and you clear the bases and with you clear the ducks all the ducks on the pond they're all coming home baby yes that's what yes. i like that's when i went to wake up the next morning and see flooding my twitter timeline is a dude knocking a freaking piss missile out to Mars on a 3-0 count. I don't want to see, oh, look at this cute little walk. Oh, my God. That's what not a, exciting. What That's a gentleman. Fun. Just don't bring a bat to the plate then if you can't. No kidding. You can't just play. stand in the box and just I'm look I'm done. I'm done. Yeah, yeah. Seriously, the thing is, is I think almost everyone agrees on this. And I think this, this talk of unwritten rules is going to die out. Um, I want to bring this up, though. The Rangers okay. had to shut down the replies on their Twitter. Um, <laughs> this, is, this is what they did. So this new Twitter feature allows you to turn off the replies so you don't get ratioed. So for, for those uh. who don't know what this means, when someone posts a bad tick, you'll see they get lit up in the comment section. By doing this, you don't. And it, it's like you- Cowards. For real. For <laughs> real. Like, oh, no. you know, this, is, this, is, this is softer than a cashmere sweater. Uh, and you know what? It really is. And I love a good cashmere sweater. My wife Me loves too. when I wear cashmere sweaters because I'm just, I look good in a cashmere sweater. But my question is too, why the hell have you allowed that as a feature on Twitter? And when the hell are we going to get an edit button? <laughs> I would take the edit button over that any day. I would cut off one of my toes right now if it meant that I was sacrificing a toe to get an edit take, button for the rest the of toe, the world. Sir. I'm Take taking, yeah, it's a small toe. It's the small toe. I need a big toe. 
I need the big toes. Uh, but I'm I dead. Think you need, I think you need your pinky toe to balance, by the way. Okay, then take then take one of the toes between the big toe and the pinky toe. You have an option of three on each foot. Okay, so <laughs> you know what? I'd also cut off one of my toes right now if it meant the Celtics could win a freaking another banner. If they could actually continue to destroy the 76ers right now. But the issue is, there is an issue, believe it or not, them rolling over Philly, is they don't have Gordon Hayward right now, Seals. Mm -hmm. They don't have Gordon Hayward. So he's out with like a strain 11 ankle, like an ankle strain. I don't know what the hell it is. Yeah, but, it's like a grade three. Yeah, it's, um, it sounds serious. So he could be out, what, about four weeks? And then that's not even including like him probably leaving for a little bit because he's finally getting the boy. Uh, his wife's finally birthing a boy that he's always wanted. And so my question is, what do you think the impact is going to be? Uh, no Gordon Hayward on the Celtics right now. Because on this series, I don't think it's going to be an issue because Ben Simmons isn't even playing. Yes. Here's, here's the thing. is I was at Mari, um, Mari in the North End last night, Ooh. eating way too many oysters and drinking way Talk too to many martinis and watching the pitiful Joel Embiid's cutaway shots that they had of him sitting on the oh. bench. How sad did he look? He looked so, so sad. I almost wanted to give him a hug. Almost. <laughs> oh, but, uh, I mean, I don't think they need him for this series, and that's evident. Uh, also, the Seas have just – they pump out wings, man. If anything, they need more bigs. So That's exactly what they – they need a Joel Embiid type. The yes, but no when, it comes, when it comes to the loss of Gordon Hayward, I think that's someone that logs a crap ton of minutes – um, who is pretty efficient on both ends of the floor. Um, he, he's a good veteran. The guys mm -hmm. listen to him. So yeah. I think those components you're going to miss. But you got you have Jason Tatum scoring 33 points in that game two oh. win. Oh, my God. Yeah, he's had like 65 in the first two in the he's, playoffs. He's, he's so hot. I just hope he stays that way for the remainder of the playoffs because that's, that's going to be hard to – to keep up, but best, it is playoff season, so. Best thing he ever did was get a haircut because he became old Tatum after he got that haircut. But yes, you're right. It's now up to Tatum. It's now up to Brown. They got to continue this upward trajectory. Uh, you know, here's, here's hoping everyone else can stay healthy. It also is going to fall on the shoulders of Marcus Smart. We know he's not shy shooting the basketball. He'll shoot 43s a game, but he has to be productive. He has to make some of them because he makes up for those awful those god-awful offensive performances with how ridiculous he is at defense the problem is you go to the next round and without Gordon Hayward who does take this team up to another level uh, guys like Kyle Lowry I mean Fred Van Fleet uh I forget some of the other dudes the Raptors likely who you're going to play because there's no way the Nets are going to beat them the Raptors are a really good defensive team as well and they have you know three three guys as well who are capable of scoring more than 30 points a game rolling to the Red Sox we don't suck anymore. <laughs> we, we, suck we suck again. <laughs> we suck again. I know. We don't suck anymore. Um, they snapped that nine-game losing streak, beating the Phillies 6-3. Uh, on to a four-game series with the Orioles starting Thursday, and that's all we will say about the Red Sox. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm just like, what is uh, – it's not ideal. Like, there was the conversation from producer Fred, like, in our email, like, hey, we want to hit on the trade deadline. I was like, nah. <laughs> no. <laughs> not, not really right now. Not with the Red Sox. I, hey, great win for them. <laughs> uh, when they just give up, like, almost 90 runs in, like, this losing streak they had. It's not ideal. 
it's almost funny now. I hate saying that. Like at this point, you just kind of roll with it. You're like, hey, let's let's put all the farm guys out there and just let them play. Let them get some experience. Let them have fun. You know, it's America's pastime. Let's let them go out there and put me in, coach. I'm ready to play today. Look at me. I can seriously be in center field. <laughs> try try out your farm guys. Like, there's no way you're going to contend this year. And if some of the older guys are like, you know what, I don't want to play the full season and you want to let them opt out, let let them do it. Like, yeah. it's, it's just this season is just do the best you can. I see, yeah, right. Get, get on out get on out there, uh, partner. We'll, we'll tap on the rear. But um, I, like I see the headlines like, oh, Red Sox are going to be sellers at the deadline. I'm just like, what the hell do they have to sell? Like, you don't, you don't, have, you don't have much to sell right now. What you do have to sell, or like you're at least on the pitching staff, was, they're all injured. And then you have only like two or two or three pieces, maybe like a Verdugo. Uh, you'd have Xander, and then you'd have Raffy. Those are probably your untouchables if you really even yeah. want to call them that. Like yeah. on offense, that's it. That's it. And everyone else, no one else want, wants to touch. Even JD Martinez. If you're going to get rid of anybody right now, you ever heard of JD Martinez? Why he has some value. Maybe there's a team out there looking for like a big bat, but he's not even really producing. There you go. No, he was he was supposed to like roll with just homers, like sixty homers this season, and it hasn't that, happened. Well, especially during that like little summer camp session they had, he was he raking. He was killing it in summer camp, and it disappeared. Right. He's playing against his own team, you know. It's like I, I look damn good, like in the scrimmage <laughs> too at the YMCA, you know. Whatever. Uh, what else on, on these quick hits? Uh, what else do we have? I'm, I left this one to you on purpose, and you're failing miserably right now. Oh, I always fail miserably. Count on me. Quick hits. Quick hits. Uh, you, tonight, revolution, return to Gillette. You're a soccer player. Say <laughs> something about soccer. Uh, the Revs are back in action um, since coming back from the Orlando bubble, um, where they were bounced kind of early on in there in that yeah. first round. Um, but, uh, yeah, they're, they're back with the Philadelphia Union. Thursday night, 7.30. Okay. Um, so they've got, I think, their schedule planned out through, I think, September 12th. Um, and they're playing a lot of regional teams that they can travel to easily. Yeah. Uh, so Philly, New York, uh, teams like that. Um, so, yeah, I'm excited to see soccer back back in action um, just because I'm back to play. Yeah, girl, I know you're, like, on a league now. You're a coach now. You're doing something. I don't know I don't know what you're doing. Just follow yeah, Celia so, on Instagram. She'll um, thank you on her daily adventures. Yeah, I, I got asked during quarantine if I was still interested in, in soccer and I, by, by a coach, uh, the community college uh, down in Fall River, Bristol Community College, and he's like, do you have any interest in coaching? And I was like, yeah. I mean, if my schedule allows it, because it never has. So yeah. uh, I'm, I'm kind of coaching uh, and just helping out in drills when numbers are low. So I got put into some drills, what was it, a couple days ago? And it was on turf, and it was hot, and I kept up. I, I didn't play great, but I kept up. Never give up. Never give up. Always hang on to that goal. You're, you're just a glorified weekend warrior, and I got nothing but respect for you. Also, congratulations on your new headshots and the fact that we both <laughs> finally, guys, just so you know, if you ever want to learn a little more about us, we have these things called bios now on this new Nesson website. It took me five effing years, but I finally have a bio now on the Nesson website. And you have new beautiful headshots to, that will be attached to this bio. Great job. Everyone check out the new Nesson website. It actually is much easier to navigate. And now I don't hate it as much as I used to. <laughs> I, 
I, I, hey, big shout out to everybody that was working behind the scenes, all of our, all of our writers, all of our engineers, everybody that set up that, uh, the Nesson website looks incredible. Yep. You can pick out which thing, which teams you want to follow so you Big can app. personalize your page for yourself. Yeah. And the app, the app is clutch, the Nesson app, literally every story you can think of on planet earth. We have some of the best writers. I'm not kidding you. It is one of my go-to sources for what the hell's happening in New England sports and also just sports in general and some fun pop culture stuff here and there. And also live stream of games. I yes, can't you can it. live stream the games, people. Sometimes I'm laying in my bed, I'm not clothed, and I'm just watching games. I think that's most people in quarantine. We're not wearing clothes. Dude, I never wear clothes. My, my wife all the time is like, you have a nice little tushy, because I leave my tush out of the <laughs> covers. No, I'm not dead serious. I sh I'll show you text, because I like the AC hitting my back and my tush. Because it feels nice and cool, and I sleep better when my body I have no, I have no comments about this. <laughs> okay, and uh, that is a perfect spot to wrap up our Nesson After Hours podcast presented by People's United Bank. See you, guy, when Emerson last year. We'll be back next week. Thanks for listening. We love you, and we need you.